ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is All in the Mind. I'm Sana Kadar. And in the studio with me is ABC Science reporter James Pertill. Hey, James. Hey, Sana. James, how far are we from being ruled by AI overlords? Slightly <laughs> facetious question, slightly real. <laughs> yeah, I'd say um, exactly five years and three months. <laughs> oh, wow. Specific. Got it. Nice. Yeah. No, that is a question that's raging in the AI world right now. And there's obviously no clear answer. Um, it kind of comes down to theories of intelligence. AI right now is really good at doing sort of the tasks that we do unconsciously, like image recognition and voice recognition and, and things like that. It's not so good at the higher order tasks like abstract thinking mm. and reasoning and things like that. And if we can do that, maybe in, in five years' time. Five years, three months. Okay, I'm counting <laughs> down. <laughs> but yeah, that's the subject of a series we're doing uh, on Science Friction, which is another ABC podcast. Yeah, and we're going to hear an episode of that today. Um, so how would you tease this episode? So I love this story. Uh, it's a story of how we got here today, the birth of modern AI. And it's about an event in a Seoul hotel um, seven years ago in 2016 where a company named DeepMind took on the best human player in the world at a game called Go, which mm. AI had never mastered. And DeepMind were like, well, we've got this new technique and it's called neural networks and it's going to take over the world and we're going to test it here on the best human player, the Roger Federer of his generation, Lisa Dole. And what unfolds over the next week changes the world. Ooh, I'm intrigued. Okay. Today on All in the Mind, a turning point in the advancement of artificial intelligence. Reporter James Pertill from Science Friction has the story. On a Wednesday afternoon in March 2016, South Korea stops. Hello and welcome to the Google DeepMind Challenge match live from the Four Seasons in Seoul. Crowds gather beneath huge screens. Commuters are sitting in silent train carriages glued to their phones. Restaurants change the channel away from the football. Everybody is watching a board game between a man and a machine. The winner gets a million dollars and a place in history. On one side, the undisputed Go world champion, Lisa Dole. He's trying to win with all the qualities that make us human, our creativity, our wit, our intuition. He started playing Go at a level where he was going to be taken to a professional at the age of 11. Lee's been playing Go and winning his entire life. He's the best there is. Exactly the right person to be representing humanity in this title fight. Young man, incredibly brilliant, the Roger Federer of the, of the Go world. Facing Lisa Dole is a computer program, AlphaGo. Man versus machine, the question is, have they finally developed a thinking computer program that can actually play Go uh, at this top level? If you're thinking, who cares about a dusty old board game? Then let me tell you, pretty much everyone in AI. For years, winning at Go was the holy grail of machine learning. And at this moment, many people think it's still decades away. But the makers of AlphaGo have a trick up their sleeve, a new approach to building intelligence. And if they can win, if AlphaGo can succeed where other AIs have failed, then it's a signal that the world has changed forever. 
This is Hello AI Overlords, a new series of science friction. I'm James Pertil. I'm a tech reporter at ABC Science. And over the last decade, I've watched artificial intelligence go from the fringes of science to infiltrating our everyday lives. Computers have learned to paint a picture, write a novel, compose music, and consume the entire internet with ease. Over the next six episodes, I'll tell you the amazing human stories of how we got here, who controls the technology, and where we're heading. But today, how a 4,000-year-old board game became a battleground for the future, with a five-game series built as humanity versus AI. In the build-up to the game, hardly anyone thought AlphaGo could win. Chris Garlock, an American Go insider, is in the room commentating the match. I don't think that in his wildest dreams he thought that this computer had a chance. I, I, I just don't. In Go, two players take turns placing black and white stones on a large grid. The object is to surround territory and capture stones. AlphaGo can't physically make the moves, so sitting opposite Lisa Dole, on the other side of the wooden board game, is Ajo Huang. He's a computer scientist who helped build the program. Now he's moving the stones for it. Here's the thing. Winning this game doesn't just require a big memory and lots of processing power, but creativity, intuition, qualities that computers aren't meant to possess. The idea that a computer, you know, a computer program would be able to challenge a top pro was kind of unthinkable, to be honest. Unlike in chess, no computer program has come close to competing with humans. So when the first game starts, it seems like it's going to be a wash. This first game is going on, and, you know, honestly, you know, we were not impressed. The, the, the AlphaGo wasn't really doing anything special. It was looking pretty good for Lee Sadol. You know, he's, he's doing fine. Lisa Dole appears relaxed. He's played computers before and beaten them easily. It looks like this time won't be any different. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, huh. Well, Lisa Dole's fall, fallen behind a little bit, right? Again, go, it's a long game. But, you know, for a professional to fall behind, you know, that's interesting. Lisa Dole rests his chin on his hand looks pensive and restless. The commentators observe that he's panicking. People sit up. A wave of excitement spreads through the room. The impossible is happening. Lee begins to struggle. This doesn't look good. And all of a sudden, it becomes clear that there's just no way that this, you know, Lee tried a couple of things. And soon, AlphaGo has won the first game. It was shocking. It was probably the most shocking thing I've ever seen in my life. He was shell-shocked. He knew he was representing humanity, and he felt like he had let humanity down. Game one of the AlphaGo challenge against Lisa Dole leaves spectators reeling. A machine beating a world champion had been unthinkable. Four games were left to play, and Lisa Dole could still win the series. But unfortunately for humanity's champion, Lisa Dole, the machine competitor AlphaGo, and the special AI architecture powering it was just warming up. 
In game two, it makes a move so famous. In the Go community, it's simply known as move 37. That move was crazy. When AlphaGo played that move, we thought it had lost its computer mind. No human in a million years would have thought of this move. AlphaGo won the first game by taking Lisa Doll by surprise and playing a perfect game. Who could see what moves to make 50 plays in advance. It was quick and aggressive, wearing down its human opponent. But in the second game, it went a step further, beyond just brilliant computing. It challenged everything humans knew about the game. You almost never play in the centre, because the centre is, is just the worst place to try and get territory. And on move 37, AlphaGo does exactly that. It makes no sense at all. Lisa Dole screws his face up with confusion and panic. Everyone watching is shocked. Ooh. That's a very that's Ooh. a very surprising move. <laughs> I thought I thought it was I thought it was a mistake. Could it be that this machine has done something creative? According to Maddie Leach, the program manager at DeepMind, the team that built AlphaGo, it did. That's what AlphaGo brought to the table was intuition. With that brilliant move, it was all over for Lisa Dole, and AlphaGo took its second victory. Computer programs in the, in the past have just used brute force, computing everything, a single possible move, and we weren't doing that. This was completely different. And it was just like, wow, this actually is powerful. This is different. The DeepMind team were quietly confident that this computer program, booted up on a small laptop, was no fluke. It was history-making. I think the elation of realising that we'd done it was unreal. And now they'd built a machine that was on a winning spree. In the next 30 seconds after my woohoo moment, I looked at Lisa Dole, who's still sat in his chair. I think my heart broke because I just thought, you weren't expecting this. Game two showed a computer could beat humans at a game that was considered too complex for machines to master. And it could do so with style and flair. Lisa Dole was on the ropes, but the five game series wasn't over and all hope wasn't lost just yet. We'll come back to Lisa Dole and AlphaGo soon, but the computer winning not just one, but two games had settled a debate spanning decades and decades because AlphaGo was trained and created with something called neural networks, an idea that had been long dismissed as a scientific dead end. Looking around today, nearly all AI is created with neural networks. And I'd assumed this is what AI had always been. But the story of how we got here isn't a straight one. It's full of twists and turns. Because for decades and decades, nearly the entire AI industry was going in another direction, away from neural networks. And it was all because of a fight between two childhood friends. In the blue corner, heading up Team Neural Network, is Frank Rosenblatt in a tweed suit and tie. He's a clean-cut New York psychologist who's strayed into computer science. He has a gift for communication and 
maybe like some entrepreneurs today, a weakness for exaggeration. So Rosenblatt was working on an idea called neural networks. That's Michael Waldridge, an Oxford University computer scientist who's been working in AI for more than 40 years. If you look at a human brain or a nervous system under a microscope, you'll see huge numbers of nerve cells called neurons that are connected to one another in massive networks. And in the human brain, there aren't precise figures, but something like 100 billion neurons. And again, there aren't precise figures, but each of those neurons connected to other neurons with something like 8,000 connections. So these are enormous networks, massively interconnected. Rosenblatt believes a computer program can recreate these neural networks, the structures of the brain, as software. Imagine you want a computer to distinguish cats from dogs based on pictures you show it. Each neuron in the network is like a small, simple-minded detective paying attention to specific features of the animals. And by training the network on enough labelled images, the computer learns what features correspond to each species. It's not very sophisticated mathematics you need to be able to build a neural network, but you need huge amounts of it. Rosenblatt was the great cheerleader of neural networks. He believed he could see into the inner workings of the brain, show them enough photos of dogs and cats, and they learn the difference. And this idea set Rosenblatt's imagination on fire. Show them enough of the world, and they will become intelligent. But as we know, his ideas were contested, especially by Rosenblatt's childhood buddy, but professional enemy. Enter Marvin Minsky. over at MIT, you have Marvin Minsky, one of the very influential and charismatic and eccentric figures in AI. Instead of modelling the brain, which is roughly speaking what Rosenblatt was arguing, Minsky says we need to model the mind. Minsky was not team neural networks. He thought Rosenblatt was wasting his time and was happy to tell anyone who asked. Marvin was always full of ideas and sometimes the ideas came from nowhere and didn't have much backup behind them. He just, they were different, so he would put them out there. That's Rodney Brooks, a world-famous Australian roboticist who, incidentally, invented the Roomba. But long before that, he worked with Marvin Minsky. His students would try to figure out, well, is he serious or is he just trying to provoke us? But you never knew when it first came out of Marvin's mouth which one it would be. Minsky's approach was the opposite of Rosenblatt's. Rosenblatt's neural networks learned the difference between dogs and cats by looking at large amounts of data. Minsky's AI was programmed to tell the difference. If the animal has a long nose and long teeth, it's a dog. And this is as complicated as it sounds. Everything the AI needed to know, the humans had to tell it through code. But Minsky believes that's how the mind works. Lots and lots of programmable rules. Here's Michael Woodridge again. So you've got these two ways of looking at it. And Rosenblatt's arguing for the brain. Minsky says, no, we need to model the mind. It's a a classic scientific paradigm argument. You know, these are two fundamentally different approaches. Now, both Rosenblatt and Minsky are supremely confident in their own ideas. They're each convinced AI is just around the corner and that their approach is the right one. So Rosenblatt decides it's time to show the world what he's been working on. And in 1958, he sets up a press conference in Washington, D.C. Reporters file into a room. 
Rosenblatt's there in a tweed suit, and in the corner, a five-ton Weather Bureau supercomputer. Like a magician on stage, Rosenblatt holds up a set of 50 cards. Some are marked on the left-hand side, others on the right. And he declares that the computer will teach itself to recognise the difference using the power of its neural network. One by one, he feeds marked cards into the computer. And it works. It is one of the very first displays of the possibilities of AI. The machine even has a cool name, the Perceptron. I love the name Perceptron because it's such a kind of 1960s name for artificial intelligence. It's a really, really great name. And just like today, the media back then loves a good AI story. The prestigious New Yorker magazine proclaims that it behaves as if it saw, felt and thought. And Rosenblatt also sees the potential for human intelligence in his creation. He says one day, Perceptron robots will explore distant planets. But Minsky, his old school friend and professional antagonist, takes offence to these exaggerated claims, publishing a book that coldly exposes the limitations of perceptrons. The human brain has billions of neurons. The perceptron has one. Minsky's right. Rosenblatt's reputation and career take a nosedive. Neural networks get canned. Funders pull their money. Two years later, Rosenblatt dies in a boating accident, and the buzz around neural nets dies with him. Like many great scientists who were also AI researchers in the early days, Rosenblatt was running ahead of himself. Here's Michael Wooldridge again. He could see that this idea in principle had promised, even if he didn't know quite how to make it work. And he thought it was just going to be easy to fix. With Rosenblatt gone, there's no one to champion the idea of neural nets. Minsky and his rules-based approach to AI has triumphed. Neural nets are down for the count. As we now know, they would rise again. But Minsky, in his suave turtlenecks, sets the direction of research for decades to come. Through the 70s, 80s and 90s, it's a hard time to be a neural networks researcher. All the money is flowing into Minsky-style research. But a few believers in Rosenblatt's idea still labour in relative obscurity. They're convinced they're right, but the rest of the industry doesn't yet see it that way. The winds were blowing in the other direction. That's Joshua Bengio, a computer scientist at the University of Montreal and an expert in neural networks. Actually, expert doesn't do him justice. He's one of the three godfathers of modern AI. Through the 1990s and noughties, he collaborated closely with a few others who also believed in the potential of neural networks. We created a kind of support group, you know, in, in more difficult times. Then three things happened. Computers got much more powerful, data storage got a lot cheaper, and Bengio and others developed new ways of making larger and more sophisticated neural networks. Rosenblatt was onto the right idea with his perceptron, but it was too small. It had one neuron. Bengio's new neural networks had half a million. And around the early noughties, all these neural network ingredients came together and started to outperform other forms of AI at certain tasks. Rosenblatt's idea, dismissed, ridiculed, 
and long buried came roaring back to life. Because we were starting to apply these on fairly larger scale competitions and beating other methods with the new deeper neural nets. And, uh, and it worked. But most users didn't appreciate the revolution that was happening in AI. That all changed in 2016, with an epic contest between man and machine, a public display of the might of the new neural networks. Lisa Dole versus AlphaGo. When we left that historic game at the Four Seasons in Seoul, AlphaGo had pulled a move so brilliant, so intuitive, that Lisa Dole could not recover. AlphaGo won that second game, and now it's one game away from winning the series. AlphaGo's up 2-0. And the weight of the contest between humanity and AI rests on Lisa Dole's shoulders. Game three in a few minutes. The mood in the playing room has gone from celebration and awe to just a hint of sadness. A sense that history is being made, something momentous is happening and can't be stopped. At a small table in a hushed room, Lisa Dull sits opposite the human hand of AlphaGo, the wooden board game resting ominously between them. Lisa Dole goes straight for the fight, against his usual playing style, desperate for a win. But AlphaGo quickly takes the lead, taking more and more territory from its opponent. Backed into a corner, Lee resigns, defeated. AlphaGo wins. Folks, you saw history made here uh, tonight. AlphaGo has won. AlphaGo has won again, three straight wins. Three straight wins, has won the match. This victorious moment is built on the size of its neural network, trained by absorbing the strategies and tactics of millions of games and sharpened by countless hours playing versions of itself. And somewhere in the labyrinth of those neural networks, too complicated for its human makers to understand, AlphaGo has found what looks like creativity. All of the headlines that we've seen in, in AI over the last decades, they are all down to the success of neural networks. You might be thinking, well, that's great. The end of humanity is here. And the time of machines has come. If machines can learn like we do and do things just as well as us, then what's the point? How can we compete against an all-powerful, all-knowing machine? You can see that across the world now. So we're in an old contract for a new... Protests have swept Hollywood. Actors and screenwriters have been fighting for their rights. You know, I hope the strike is going to be effective because we're standing in the front lines of this war. And ChatGPT is merrily churning out novels and essays and scripts and threatening to replace millions of jobs. Now, we've set this up as a contest of man versus machine, but of course it's not, because humans made AlphaGo. It's a tool, a very smart and amazing tool, but still something we made, and we made it through feeding it countless games of Go. But when you're playing the best human in the world, occasionally that human is going to come up with something surprising. AlphaGo has swept World champion Lee Sedol, 
The question now for us to see answered is can Lee Sedol find AlphaGo's weakness? So at the start of game four, Lee Sedol, the greatest player of his time, bends his incredible mind to the task of finding a flaw in AlphaGo's game. He probes for the chink in its armour, glitches in its decision-making. I think that the feeling going into match four was, you know, pretty pretty sombre, to be honest. I mean, you know, it was not looking good for, for humanity. This feels like a pivotal moment. Lisa Dole has already lost the series. Now he's playing for pride. Even Maddie Leach and the team that built AlphaGo were going for the human. He hung in there and carried on. He was professional. Like I say, he had a huge amount of dignity. By that fourth game, it was almost like we were rooting for him. Minute by minute, the game ticked away. For hours, Lisa Dole and AlphaGo fight stone by stone, and it wasn't looking good. Then, suddenly, Lee finds a weakness and makes a brilliant move, one that confuses the AI. AlphaGo foresaw the move, but believed it so unlikely a human would never play it and its decision-making goes haywire. Lee runs away with the victory. And we were really, really pleased because we had never come to annihilate him. We literally wanted to see whether it could play at his level. And so actually all of us were genuinely, genuinely happy when he won. March 13 in 2016 was the last moment in history the top human player beat the top AI, because AlphaGo went on to win game five. AlphaGo had smashed the humans and won the series 4-1. I remember all of us sitting in the car going back to the airport, and it was very quiet. You know, it wasn't, we weren't popping bottles of champagne and whipping. It was very quiet. And I think a lot of us, in our own ways, were reflecting on what had happened and it took a while to process I think. It felt like everything's normal and yet something has changed. Yes exactly right yeah everything's normal but something's changed. This is Hello AI Overlords a science fiction series. I'm James Pertul. This show is made on the lands of the Wajak Noongar, Wurundjeri and Palawa with production by Jordan Fennell, Erica Vols, and Will Ockenden. Sound engineering by Matthew Crawford. Next week, as ChatGPT shows us, AI can do some amazing stuff. But it does some creepy stuff as well. And it's already been responsible for locking up innocent people. The story of how AI scanned millions of driver's licenses and accused Michigan man Robert Williams of a crime he didn't commit. When artificial intelligence goes rogue. Subscribe and follow so you don't miss the next episode. Find us on the ABC Listen app. Search for Science Friction. See you soon. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.